What's up, everybody? This is the 2RXN Podcast. Once again, this podcast is being sponsored by JJ Cicero and her upcoming book entitled Overcome. Make sure you head over to jjcicero.com, pre-order the book, purchase it when it comes out in a couple weeks. We have partnered with her to share some of our stories on how we overcome. She's got a lot of great content flowing out of from that book, as well as over on her Instagram page. So make sure you uh, follow her on Instagram at J-J-I-G-C-I-C-E-R-O and uh, spell the same way, dot com. So uh, make sure you guys go follow JJ Cicero and hopefully you are following us on Instagram. That's two, the number two, RXM podcast. And as always, we want to thank you guys for listening each and every week. Um, this is Verb, if you haven't noticed. I especially want to thank you guys. This is, has been a challenge, to be honest. This is definitely something that I wouldn't normally do. You know, sharing my story, especially these first few episodes. I mean, I'm giving you guys a backstory on my life. Um, I'm being extremely vulnerable. I'm letting people into the family circle of trust, I guess. And, um, yeah, it's not easy talking about these things and to continue to have listeners and to continue to have support from you guys. Um, I may not say it or you may not be able to see me or whatever, but, uh, I appreciate it. I really do. Um, the whole purpose of this, you know, I said this, I believe in the, um, one of those either the first episode of the gray area or the trailer i was talking about how i it's about awareness you know i I really want to make it okay to be vulnerable and i wanted to make it okay to to talk about your feelings um to make it okay to be not okay but also i needed to release a lot of this you know I've, i've had this stuff pent up for years and um you know, a lot of times, Lauren Hill said it in her Unplugged, you know, we thought that the best way to deal with something was to retreat, but in reality, it's confrontation. You gotta, you gotta face it. Sometimes you gotta sit with your feelings and do nothing, but you still have to face those feelings. You still have to get through them. You still gotta process things. And that's, that's really what this journey is for me. That's really what this podcast is for me. And um, I had to catch myself. Before I get into what uh, today's episode is about, because this is probably going to be the hardest episode I'm going to do, but um, yeah, like I, I really had to, you know, catch myself. I was apologizing to people because of the nature of this podcast, because of what it, it started out to be. It's, it's, to me, it's dark. It's a lot of heavy. Um, I'm not sharing everything, but I'm sharing what I'm comfortable with, and it's, it's a lot to me. Um, so what I had to do was stop apologizing because these are things that happen to me. These are things that I feel and I want to encourage you guys to never apologize for how you feel because that's, that's something that you have to own. That's yours. That belongs to nobody else. If somebody makes you feel some type of way, good, bad, indifferent, whatever it is, they can't tell you how to feel you know and you don't have to apologize 
for how you feel. Now, the intent behind whatever the situation, that's context. You know, you got to have context with everything. But feelings, you know, you, you have every right to feel how you feel. And I'm here to validate that for you guys. Not that you guys need validation, but I'm here to give it to you. So yeah, that that's uh, that's kind of my soapbox for today. Um, thank you for no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I will get into a lot more of, of those type of things um, in season two. It's, it's a wonderful feeling when you own everything. When you you know you're four episodes in and you already are talking about season two. But um, so today's episode. Ah, dag, I didn't think of nothing crazy to say or some type of sound effect or something. But anyway, um, I kind of posted a little bit about this on social media. It's the mommy episode. So yeah, it's, uh, it's heavy. I'm going to get emotional. I'm already emotional and I just said mommy episode. Like, that's crazy. But, um, it's, it's heavy. Um... I'm going to predict that I'm going to ramble. I'm going to jump around. I'm going to try to speak as as clear as possible, y'all. So try to follow it and and bear with me. I'm probably overshooting it. It's probably not going to be that bad, but this is a... This is where we're at. So, a little bit about my mom. She's a twin. She's the youngest of I don't know how many kids. Because, you know, she's from the South. She's born in New Orleans, Louisiana. The Big Easy. Love that city. Shout out to all my New Orleans family. All those wonderful people. Um. Yeah, so early things about my mom that I was told and that she shared with me when she was still alive was, um, you know, she had it rough. She had physical ailments that she had to deal with. Um, she was born blind in one of her eyes. So, I mean, could you imagine like going through life blind in one eye? So she was essentially a side. My mom was a cyclops. <laughs> like that's wild my mom went through life as a cyclops um and she was a twin and this was back in you know the 60s and 70s where like in the south so she was black blind a twin in the deep south like i could only imagine the shit that she went through you know just the whole family went through I don't even want to know for real. Like, I don't want to hear stories about it. Because that, especially in the time we live in now, that should have fucked me up. Like, I will, mm-mm. Yeah, I'm good on all that. But anyway, um, again, I don't know too much. I just know some of the stories that she told me. And then some of the stories I hear from, like, my other family, my aunties, my uncles some of my cousins but then sometimes the stories don't match up so I'm not even going to dive into some of those stories but um I will dive into uh when she met my dad so 
again, I don't know the validity of this story at all, but um, I do know that something happened with my mom when, um, first of all, first, let me backtrack before I get into that. My mom lost her father, I believe she was nine years old when my grandfather died. And um, my grandmother died, her mother died the day before her 18th birthday, which is important. So that's that's why I mentioned it. Um, you know, grandparents, I, I didn't have the luxury of growing up with grandparents. Um, so that that did kind of shape how I view older people because I, I didn't have that that luxury so I don't know how to act with grandmas and grandpas and I, I'll take yours in a heartbeat I will adopt yours and pray they spoil me but anyway um so um after my grandmother passed and my mom was grown she um again I don't know the validity of this story but I believe that something happened where she was sexually assaulted and she moved to California with her twin, my auntie, Marlin. So my, my mother's name was Marilyn, her twin was Marlin. So Marilyn and Marlin, and my girls. Um, but anyway, so she moved it to California. Um, that's very important because if you've been following the story, or at least been listening intently to uh, the previous episodes, you know that a certain person who we know as Verb was born in California. So it doesn't take two and two, you know, you ain't got to put two and two together. She met my father in California. And um, this is obviously where my story starts, but... um, Things kind of were weird because, again, I got a bunch of conflicting stories. And with both of my parents being gone, I kind of don't care anymore about, you know, the facts of this story. Because it's one of those situations where I don't care. So basically, um, before my, um, you know, when, when my mother was pregnant with me she had um you know my dad I share with you guys a story about him you know abusing her and me calling the police we'll jump to that too um but um there had already been some some drinking involved by my father there had already been some abuse laid out so it was already a rough road before I even got here. And um, so they apparently weren't married or something like that. They ended up getting married. So I feel as if, again, I have no proof, no facts, no validity to any of my statements. I don't know because the people who do know are not alive. But um, I don't know if it was a situation where they got married for my sake, kind of a keep the family together type situation. I don't know. I really don't know. But um, that happened. They get married. Uh, yeah, they get married. We're one happy. Well, I was born before that, but 
they get married, happy family or so we think, you know, blah, blah, blah. My dad's mother gets sick. We moved to Cleveland, Ohio. It's so nice. LeBron left twice. I stole that, but um, I love Cleveland. <laughs> so, yeah. So then um, we moved to Cleveland at age of three. And this is where really my story begins. Um, Cleveland is kind of where my mom became who she is. Um, church. School. And school. And when I say school and school, I mean like her her job. So my mom was a Christian. She was heavy into Christianity. I was at church maybe three to three three-ish times a week from three to like from age three to age probably 17 um peace I've only was a member of like four church homes it's crazy so uh we did a lot of, of church um my mom was you know how people say like the, your 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 parents are your first teachers no really my mom was when i was in preschool my mother was my teacher so i got in trouble a lot because you know you know how like when you get introduced to your teacher it's mr or miss so-and-so well i had the beauty of knowing that my mother was my teacher so it was mommy so I didn't know Miss Braxton. I knew, hey, that's my mommy. So yeah, I, I was confused early. But I was a smart kid, so I got past it. Um, so yeah, so she uh, got a job with CEOGC Head Start. Um, where she, that was her, um, not her first job, I don't think, here in Cleveland. But um, she pretty much worked there until she passed away. So we're talking in 2019, it was 25 years. So 20, she was going on 26 years, 26 years as a teacher for this organization. Um, so that was the second school and thirdly was school, actually going to school. Um, my mom had, she wanted to be a nurse, or so I was told she wanted to be in the medical field, which I, again, find that kind of interesting because she was a cyclops and she had a, a lot of health issues, a lot of other things happened to her. Um, so growing up, like, it was, a lot that I was shielded from. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Like I was not exposed to a lot of things because my mother and my father, they did a damn good job of, you know, really hiding shit from me. Um, until, of course, that fateful day when I was 11. Um, for those of you, again, if this is the first episode you've listened to, I recap this on an episode about my father, but I'll briefly touch on this again. Um, when I was 11, I saw, well, I witnessed my father, um, 
beat up my mom like brutally she's bleeding all kind of stuff and I called the police on my dad it was a very obviously traumatic experience for me and you know had to deal with some very rough thoughts about breaking up the household and all those things because I was naive I was a kid they did a great job of hiding things from me uh, that I just did not understand and you know it that obviously was a big deal for everybody's lives my mom my dad and myself but it changed my mom she like you know my mom was a sweet kind of submissive vibe you know she was really laid not laid back but I like to say in a pocket she wouldn't you know she played it safe and um I could say, like, the older I got, the more, I don't want to say aggressive, but she she got it done. She she became a, a more independent woman. Her drive became ridiculous. And, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, she had a lot of health issues. Um, from... You know, I, I think at 13, she had a hysterectomy. No. Yeah, 13, she had a hysterectomy. I don't know. But it, I was I was knowing about, like, different things in the human body because my mom was just having issues. Like, you know, hysterectomy. She had diverticulitis. Um, you know, diabetes. I, I got a brief diabetes education because my mom had diabetes, so... You know, she was explaining to me what to do if, you know, her her insulin dropped. Like, this, I'm a kid. I'm not even a teenager at this point. <laughs> Learning about these things just in case something happened because it was me and my mom. And that, that was the vibe. It was me and my mom. It was, that was it. And, yes, she had boyfriends. Um, yes, she got remarried. And if you're sensitive, these next statements are gonna make you cringe and rub you the wrong way. But I don't care because this is my thought and my theory. Yes, she had boyfriends. Yes, she had husbands after my father, but fuck them other niggas. <laughs> and that's not a, well, it is a drag. It is, it's exactly whatever the hell you perceive it to be. Um, and I say that because my mom, she was built different. Like, she she was a different animal. She soaked up game from boyfriends and my dad, you know. And she she ran with that shit. Like, she, she just didn't stop. She had everything, every, every reason to, and she didn't, just nothing, nothing, nothing was too hard, nothing was, you know, it may have physically been hard, but it didn't stop her, and those of you who who know me for the past 
four to five years. Y'all see where I get it from. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I love my mom. I definitely did. Did, do, whatever. Grammar's hard. <laughs> um, yeah, she's a beast, man. Like, she just kept shit going. She got her. Um, so, I gotta tell y'all <laughs> the story, the other half of the story about college. So, whole time, um, whole time that I told the story about how I lied to my mom to even go back out to Vegas to get my degree. She was in school. Um, and this just speaks to, to the type of woman she was. Uh, she was in school. She was going to our community college because her job and, and um, shout out to all the teachers, especially in early education who don't have their associates or bachelors or whatever they need to continue education. Like if you have to keep even nurses, I, I think you guys run through this too. If you have to continue education all the damn time, shout out to you. Because the way that those things change like every year is ridiculous. But um, anyway, she was doing her one-two while I was doing my one-two in Vegas, school-wise. And I would get phone calls home. Girl, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do this? And when I tell you, you guys, my mom would lock in. And again, those of, those of you who've been around me know that, like, when I say I'm, I'm locked in or, you know, you got to lock in, it's, it's different. It's like, it's when you're in your zone, but literally every, nothing else matters. The whole house is on fire. If I'm locked in, I'm, I'm on fire too. She she probably started that for me because she would block out days. She would go to work, get home, and she say, you know, I got school. She get home at five o'clock, be up till eleven thirty, doing an assignment, on the phone with me every five minutes, trying to figure it out. Well, how do I do this? How do I do that? And that's how I became a teacher. That's how Verb School started because if I'm able to explain this to someone who only knows how to break things down to three, four, and five-year-olds, meaning that I had to break it down for three, four, and five-year-olds, I can teach you anything. I can teach you everything that I do. So that's where Verb School started. But anyway, um, while I was in college, I uh, my senior quarter, it was past fail for my portfolio, and I failed. Um, completely subjective grading scale and I failed and this was like one of the biggest losses for me so a little backstory about education in my household um I was placed on a ridiculous pedestal I was supposed to be the genius that was the professor I was you know I was academically put on a standard that was a little little crazy <laughs> um Sophomore year, I got a 4.2 GPA. You know, big deal. Big deal. Like, no, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> it's actually a big deal. 
Um, and I come home and my mom was like, okay. Like it was just another rep. <laughs> you know, like, okay, get back in the gym. Can you get a four or three? So like, you know, my mentality on academics tanked because of that. So I had literally had an on-off switch. I cut it on when I needed to. So we get to college and I needed to cut it on. Cause for the first time in my life, second time in my life, I failed, but it was subjective. So I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out like, all right, this guy likes purple and everything I do is is yellow. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was hard, but it crushed me. It put me in a place honestly that I had never been before. Like I'd never, you know, failed. I had never been told that I wasn't good enough to move on. I had never been put in that spot. So for that to happen, it was it was kind of rough. And she flew out because we were supposed to be celebrating my graduation. It's on quarters. You know, it was going to be a big deal. We just going to have the ceremony. You know, my mom was going to fly out to Vegas. So she flew out to comfort me. And she, uh, I'll never forget. Like, I, I was depressed. I was down. I cried a lot, you know, and I'll never forget. We went to a buffet. I can't remember which buffet, but we sitting there and I'm finally starting to come out of like, feeling like the world is over. Cause at that point I wanted to come home. I was like, fuck school. You know, I'm smart enough to figure this shit out myself. That entrepreneurial spirit. And, um, I'll never forget. It was just me and her at the table. And she was like, yo. She just looked at me and she was like, you know you got this, right? It just as casual as fuck. Like, <laughs> I'm in my head. I'm, I'm drawing all kinds of like scenarios, what I need to do and fuck this, I'm not doing it, and how much a plane ticket costs to come back, how much to shit back all my shit, and, like, she's literally, I'm at the lowest point in my life, at that, at that time, and she hit me with the, yep, you got this, you know you got it right, and that shit right there, that, that was, that was our relationship, that was me and my mom. That was that was the fire. We we pushed each other. Now, I would be remiss to say that me and my mom were sunshine and rainbows. Oh no, baby. Oh no. We were on bad terms a lot. <laughs> and people people say it's because you were we, we were a lot alike. And I get that. I understand where that's coming from. You know, like. But. I wrestle with this a lot. Every day, actually. When, you know, we, we talk about being raised off survival. Versus being raised off love. You know, I was. A, a carrot was always dangled in front of me. It was always an academic achievement. It was always something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was always 
pay the bill. It was always make sure you're straight. It was it was always that type of thing. It was never like make sure you're loved. Make sure you're happy. It was like make sure you're straight. Like fuck all the other shit. And of course now as I'm an adult and you know my my living <laughs> dynamic and relationships have changed and. and I don't have my parents around, and I am a parent, you know. I look at things different. But, um, I've come to the realization that, you know, we, we oftentimes say that our parents did the best that they could do with what they had. And I, I, I just can't get with that. I disagree. I think that as a parent, and I'm going to be proven wrong. So, you know, whatever day this shit drop, throw this. This will be thrown in my face, and I'm gonna say it publicly. <laughs> you know, um, I, I definitely believe that that's bullshit. Do we try our best? Yes. With what we have, no. Because everybody is different, period. So don't put that bullshit on me. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. And you have to learn to adapt. You have to learn to to shit, adapt, really. I, I ain't got another word for it. So here's my deal. I love my mom. I didn't like my mom. Uh-uh. Cause she she grew up with an iron fist. Um, and it fucked me up. My relationships with women were genuinely fucked because of the perception that my mom gave. Not because, you know, obviously, you know, I, I spoke about domestic violence on a physical standpoint, but the emotional violence. The emotional abuse came from my mother towards me when my dad fucked up, when my dad was pissed off, when her boyfriends were pissed off, when something wasn't right, I got that shit. When I had a bad day and I got plenty of friends probably family members that can remember stuff like this. I wasn't allowed to have a bad day because the verbal abuse shit sometimes you know physically I'm all about sometimes you gotta you gotta light somebody ass up to, so they know not to fuck with you no more but fun story she actually fractured her wrist trying to hit me I, I was curling up and she hit my arm and she fractured her wrist. And of course, I got in trouble for that. I didn't block her. I didn't raise my hand. I just curled up to brace myself. But yeah, so like you have to adapt to shit like that. So that resentment was created. My mom was a, a dog. She was a beast. But she was very manipulative. When I was married, she got in between that. When she got remarried, she was very divisive with a lot of shit that she did. When it came to my kid, she was very divisive with a lot of shit that she did. 
it was a lot of lines drawn in the sand. She she did a lot of dirty things. And me and her bumped heads on a lot of that. Just the ideals. And it hurt towards the end of her life. Because it was like when I started becoming who I was, me and me and her relationship got worse because now I'm not going back down. Now everything that you taught me and, and the first thing that, that was said was I raised you better. No, you raised me to a level 20. I am on a level 600 now. Now I challenge you respectfully. And now we don't see eye to eye. Now I can have a bad day and call you out on your bullshit respectfully. And she didn't like that. And I'll never forget, like, it just was days that, like, you know, like, shit was just crazy. I remember when it really, like, really, really went downhill for me and my mom. The first time I had a mental breakdown. The first time I, I was having suicidal ideations, right? I go, the assessor was a straight up bitch. She's telling me I need to man up and figure out what I'm going to do. <laughs> the bitch really belittled my whole situation. And then I came back to my mama house, right? Because if one thing about my mama, she, she made it available. No matter how much beef we had, she made it available. And again, I love my mama. I ain't like her. I fucking love my mama, but there's a lot of shit I didn't like. But now, mind you, we talking three, four years ago. She, when I came back after having suicidal ideations, after having that traumatic experience with the mental health professional, I was left alone. There wasn't, it was a hands-off situation in my most vulnerable time. And I didn't know what the fuck to do because at the one time when I needed somebody, when I needed somebody to just have my back and I'ma jump on my, my, my sidebar because I, I feel like shit, if you're, we 35 minutes into this episode. If you've listened this far, then I think you give a fuck. If you are a support person, sometimes the best thing that you can do is be there. You don't have to be the solution. Sometimes when you give a solution, you're part of the problem at that point. I'm speaking because I'm speaking on that because I've had a lot of people who so-called are there for me who don't want to be overbearing or whatever the fuck they want to call it. And all they've done is abandon me because, oh, I didn't know what to do or I didn't know what to say. Well, not saying anything is something. And 
you know, not giving me the cliche bullshit is something I would much rather appreciate. And from what I've spoken to um, other people going through similar shit, if you don't know what to say, fucking say you don't know what to say. Have some dignity about yourself. It's okay to not be, not know. It's okay to be fucking wrong. Use your fucking words. But anyway, back to my. Once that happened, man, shit just really started going south for me. Right? Because I started to challenge her. Was I still helping her? Yes. Because that's my mom. Like, I could talk my shit because that's my mom. You can't talk shit about my mom. So we do everything that we do. You know, she she's a supposedly happy, you know, married my my stepdad. <sighs> he's not even gonna get an episode. It's just he's a whole nother issue for me. But um when she got diagnosed with cancer. Um by the time this drop, it'll be almost a year. This shit, man, that rocked me. You feel me? Like, that'll, that'll rock you. And knowing that what I know about my mama and everything that was wrong with her, everything that popped off about her, like, I know that, like, it's one of them weird feelings. Like, there's a chance that she could beat this. Like, all the shit that my mama went through, Remember how I said she got all the shit wrong with her? Thriving. Remember how I said, you know, fucked up. She beat domestic violence. She beat being blind. (laughs) She beat all this shit. Now, I told y'all, my mama was blind, y'all. And she was driving. Y'all know my mama, she drive everywhere. Like, what the hell? She beat all that shit. She could beat cancer. She, she could beat it. She could beat it. If anybody could beat it, she could beat it. But this time it was different. This spike was different. Because I put my bullshit aside. And boy, I tell you. I tell you, I had a lot going on, man. At this time, I had almost had what looked like a mini stroke. And I'm going to be straight up with a lot of people. Um, Again, if you're listening to this, you're about to find out some things that you may not know. And, um, yeah. So, I had a mini stroke uh, September 19th. Well, it was August. My, well, fast forward. Pre, pre, running back. My best friend um, had a suicide attempt and failed. So that fucked with me. Obviously, that triggered me. Um, I had already had, you know, physical health issues, and I was working an extremely physical job. Um, while my best friend was going through his process in a mental institution. Getting out, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm navigating, making sure that he's straight, trying to get people there for him and all that good shit. Checking in, whatever. 
Um, so that happens. Then I have what we think is a mini stroke. I can't work anymore. And I'm making decent money at this point. Can't work anymore. Um, I start having tingling sensations and numbness in my left side. So the day that, that all this shit happened, my, my arms and my legs went numb. I could not walk. Um, and even to this day, time of this recording, I still have, um, you know, numbness and I lose feeling in my fans and my feet. Um, and still got, you know, partial lung, <laughs> a lung and a half, so to speak. So, uh, all this shit is going on with me. We're trying to figure out if I, if I had a stroke or if I have, you know, early symptoms of MS and I get a fucking call saying my mama get is diagnosed with cancer. Like cancer. Cancer, my guy. <laughs> cancer. <laughs> I just had a stroke. <laughs> I, or so we think. We don't know what the fuck it was. But <laughs> my mom, they, I just get told my mama had cancer. Literally like a couple weeks after I'm going through all this shit. Um, <laughs> so, you know what I did? <laughs> I put all my shit on the back burner, B. Because fuck what I'm going through. It's about my mama. <laughs> and my mama be everything. So, what made this different? What what made this different, huh? She could beat this shit too. And I felt obligated to make sure she beat this shit. So I jumped on board, man. I gave up my apartment, <laughs> moved back. I moved in her basement, which shit. I still live here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, mind you, I'm not, my health didn't clear up. You know. <laughs> and I said, you know, she go through all this shit. She in the hospital. She's doing all these things. Um, you know, they get a port installed in her. She's about to get cleared to go get chemo. I'm like, all right, man, everything's moving as it should. She gets jaundice. They can't do chemo. She's losing weight. They don't know what's going on. Everything, all of her old issues are compounding on each other. I'm like, fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't know how to hold this shit together. Meanwhile, stepdad, he shook. Buddy ain't had shit in his life. He, you know, this is his first marriage. He ain't got no kids. He ain't never really dealt with being the, the backbone for somebody. So it's on me. And damn it up. Give me the ball. You know? If anybody don't fucking score right now, it's me. So I'm doing what I gotta do. I'm holding it down. 
you know, um, then I'm making a phone calls, you know, I'm calling people in New Orleans, calling my IT, like, hey, IT, this is what it is, and some <laughs> updates as they happen, um, and then shit got real crazy in November, like, uh, 2019, I say last year, even though most of this shit would be post-dated, November of 2019, my mama get blood clots in her lungs, yeah? That's, y'all hear that twang? That, that's New Orleans. <laughs> but, uh, her, she get blood clots in her lungs. And they do blood transfusions, but, like, she has a bag Cause she, she had to get a colostomy bag. Like it was, it was just so much going on, man. And then some shit happened. You know, Thanksgiving is a time where we're thankful. You know, you you get around family and shit. You do all that. You know, you eat good. It's football. You know, it's nice shit. I was in the hospital with my son, my son's mom, my my mom, and my stepdad. Me and my son was watching watching football in the lobby. He was coloring. You know, people brought us plates and shit. And uh, later that day, when I decided to go home, cause we live we ain't live too far from from the uh, from the hospital where she was at um, my mom ended up becoming unresponsive and so I had already called you know my before this happened I already called my auntie to tell her like yo she got blood clots in her lungs you gotta get out here cause I don't know what the fuck to do you know my dad died I wasn't there my dad passed, I was in Cleveland, he was in Vegas. You know, my older brothers took care of that shit. You know, my dad had people around him to take care of that shit. With this shit situation, it's me. So, I'm calling my auntie, we, we get her out here. That, that was already like established that she was coming out here. So then, she, you know, it's around Thanksgiving. I don't even know what day it is at this point. I believe it's still Thanksgiving when this happened. She becomes unresponsive. And mind you, I'm still going to work. <laughs> I'm not missing work for this. And it's like... Craziness in my life right now. I'm still fucked up physically. I'm still going to work. I'm still trying to manage this shit with my, with my mom. And I'm still trying to be sane. So, we get to the hospital one day, me, my son, and my auntie, we, we up there, and they ask to, uh, you know, if my son can step out the room, so I immediately get offended, but if y'all met Gideon, y'all know he a little wild child, so if anything, I'm gonna roll my kid, like, in this moment, because it's high pressure. So my stepdad and my aunt, 
in the room, my mama's sleeping, and apparently it's being brought to my aunt's attention that my mom was unresponsive that day. Um, well, she was unresponsive like eight, nine hours earlier. So me, me and the, me and the baby get back in the room. We chilling. You know, we we talk to my mama when she up, just trying to keep her spirits up and shit like that. Doctors coming in and out three, four more times, right? Nobody tells me shit until I'm about to leave. So I go to fuck off. I lose my shit. My aunt, <laughs> my stepdad, <laughs> I think Gideon's mom had picked up picked him up already so we wasn't even we wasn't even tripping um you know like it was I was heated and my aunt said something to me that really resonated with me she said you know you're too smart to be using these cuss words and, you know you 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 have such a, a larger vocabulary to get your point across and I thought that was very very unique that she would say something like that and she was completely correct. But if we talk about the magnitude of my ever ever eloquent vernacular, we might lose focus on the fact of the perpetual nature of the situation in which that we were sitting in that the mortality of my mother was coming to a very heartfelt end. Because you motherfuckers neglected to tell me that my fucking mom was gonna die. Because at the end of the day, I use, I curse as a tactic. I curse to get my point across. I curse to get your attention. Because if I speak so eloquently, you'll say, damn, he's, he's using a lot of big words. But if I say, bitch, you stupid motherfucker, I got your attention. And now you're paying attention. That's the point. It's for attention. So you can keen in on what I'm saying. Even if it pisses you off, you're you're noticing. But anyway, I go the fuck off. I lose my fucking head because I felt slighted of all people. Of all people, I did so much in this situation. And little did they know I was going to do so much more moving forward. To be left out and to not even be told immediately. And to be told, oh, we didn't want to stress you out. Motherfucker, what? (laughs) Nigga, I'm carrying the world as it is. So that really, really put me in in a very dangerous place. Because now my trust had been broken with my auntie. My trust had been broken with my stepdad. It's still broken. And now, I looked at them different. See, I was raised in a generation where older people, you just respected them. And, like, I didn't understand why. (laughs) I really thought it was because they were just older. And as I got older, you know, you got to put some merit behind why the fuck I respect you. You got to put some merit behind why the fuck I should respect you. And if you, as a grown-ass individual, don't have the motherfucking fortitude, balls, pussy, ovaries, dick, 
moxie, whatever the fuck you want to call it, to tell me, a grown-ass motherfucker, no fucking siblings, who had been carrying the motherfucking torch, making sure everything had got motherfucking done for his motherfucking mother for the past, shit, at that point, two months, saying you didn't, you wanted to protect me from what? The fact that she was going to be dead? Nigga, I knew that. We all got to die at some point. I'm not six. So, they didn't tell me. So now, this brings me to a whole new mindset, y'all. I'm angry. And a lot of y'all haven't really seen me for real angry. Like, y'all don't... I'm, I'm a different dude when I'm angry. Like, I'm sharper... I'm faster, I'm wittier, I'm aggressive, I'm I'm violent to an extent. So that happens. I fast forward, I spare you all the sad shit. So she ended up, my mom ends up choosing me to be her uh, power of attorney because she slept through my whole tirade. I think, I don't know, I doubt it, but whatever. So, you know, the person that auntie and stepdad was protecting, supposedly, got picked to carry the world again. So let me get this straight. You motherfuckers thought that I couldn't handle it. And she, you know, the person whose life is really in the balance here, chose me. Damn, why did she pick you motherfuckers? Ah, because you motherfuckers would have got it wrong. So I get picked. There it is. Moving forward, everything goes through me. My mother gives me the final plans. She tells me, boom, boom, boom. This is what we need to do. She tells me the casket. She tells me where she wants to go because at this point, she knows. And if y'all ain't never been in that spot where your loved one has accepted that it's their time and they want you to make that call when my mama told me she don't want a DNR so next time she out that's it it's over game over enact this plan that shit wild bruh you know you those words those echo but anyway she gives me the plan I will share the fucking plan <laughs> you know this is where we go this is how she wants to be out these are the color, you know, she didn't give a fuck about much of anything. Her last request. Ah, oh, shit. So I guess I got to make a part two. Because apparently this only can go for 60 minutes. Damn. So I guess we'll jump into the last request. Next week for y'all. Um, yeah, I appreciate y'all really listening. Um, actually, just stay tuned. Part two will be released later today.